Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Here now, the word of the Lord from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. Keep reminding God's people of these things, and warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among those are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes, and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God. The Lord be with you, Tulare Community Church. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at TCC. Today is a great day. It's a great day because we're going to be looking at some words about words. We're continuing in our sermon series on 2 Timothy that we're calling Entrusted. And today we're going to be looking at the second half of chapter 2, that's verses 14 to 26. And as Pastor Shane and I have been emphasizing these past couple weeks, the tone and impact of this letter that Paul is writing to Timothy is given clarity when we understand that these were Paul's final written words. There's an urgency in this letter that we need to pay attention to, and it's in this sense of urgency that we find our unifying statement for our time together today. Words break, words make. Words break, words make. We'll get to what that means a little later. Here's a mission statement from a well-known university. It says this, To be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. Now, can anyone guess which university this mission statement belongs to? Perhaps it belongs to the alma mater of one of our staff members, Calvin University, maybe, Biola, Azusa Pacific. I love to try to stir up the rivalry between Pastor Shane and Sean on this one, but they're both really kind people, so it never really goes anywhere. How about Fresno Pacific? Western Theological Seminary, perhaps? No, none of those. Okay, well, how about some other well-known Christian institutions of higher learning? 
Liberty University, maybe? Dallas Theological Seminary, famous, large. Wheaton College in Illinois. Nope. Peter Greer, founder of Hope International, put it this way. Founded in 1636, this university employed exclusively Christian professors, emphasized character formation in its students above all else, and rooted all its policies and practices in a Christian worldview. This school served as a bastion of academic excellence and Christian distinction. The mission statement to be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ belong to, at its founding, spit take time, Harvard University. I know. Take a moment. Compose yourself. Now fast forward to 2002. Larry Summers, the president of Harvard at the time, said during a commencement speech, Things divine have been central neither to my professional nor my personal life. It's a rather pretentious way to say God has no role in my life. Today, Harvard's mission statement says, The mission of Harvard College is to educate the citizens and citizen leaders for our society. We do this through our commitment to the transformative power of a liberal arts and sciences education. Now, I have a liberal arts degree. Nothing against it. But I am curious, what happened? What happened at Harvard over more than 300 years? See, over time, the culture and ethos of the school changed, as did the words that define the school's purpose in the first place until the original statement of mission is lost completely. It's called missional drift. Today, Harvard's current mission statement represents the school well And so do the words no longer present in that mission statement, too. See, words matter. Whether we like it or not, words matter. Our words matter. They matter a whole lot. Even though there's a lot of truth to the popular phrase, actions speak louder than words, in this age of cancel culture, bumper stickers, and status updates, we define others and others define us more and more by the words we put on display for the world to see. And so the question has become increasingly important. Do your words match your mission statement? Or will your words subtly break down your mission statement like Harvard's so slowly that you hardly notice it's happening. See, no matter how we slice it, words matter. The Apostle Paul not only understood this truth, but must have considered it of such such importance that he used some of his last words to instruct Timothy on the significance of words. Our passage starts in verse 14, which says, Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Right off the bat, Paul has a warning against how destructive words can be. While it might seem odd to argue about words themselves, I assure you that Paul's warning has proven to be all too real. Infralapsarianism versus sublapsarianism versus supralapsarianism. Pedobaptism versus credo-baptism. Annihilationism versus double predestination versus universalism versus conditional election. Evangelicalism in accordance with the Bevington Quadrilateral versus evangelicalism in accordance with political conservatism. 
Papists versus Protestants, secessionists versus Catholic. The argument over the difference between homoousios and homoousios centuries ago would end up leading to exile and death between Christians. That was just one letter. See, the reality is that over the last 2,000 years, the church with a capital C has fought and quarreled over words. A lot. And these topics are of significant importance for the Christian faith, but have also led to schism after schism, division after division. Words break, Paul is warning us in our passage. And 2,000 years later, yes, 2,000 years, we've seen how true his words have held. Paul continues in this vein in verses 16 to 17, where he writes, Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Now, the Greek word for chatter here is kenophenia, which means empty-sounding, or is in reference to a discussion of vain and useless matters. Beware of any teaching, any conversation that isn't edifying, that doesn't help you grow in your faith. Avoid using words, Paul is telling us, and Timothy, just for the sake of using words. He's saying, avoid useless, empty calorie talk. Because, like gangrene, gossip will spread throughout your very being, and you will slowly experience a type of anti-sanctification. Instead of becoming more and more like Christ, your empty, pointless words will make you slowly less and less like him. John Calvin, not suffering fools lightly, wrote, and this is serious, I consider looseness with words no less of a defect than looseness of the bowels. No joke, that's the father of the Reformed faith tradition, but this is no laughing matter. This is apparent in Paul's choice of gangrene to describe this process. In case you don't know, I know that I didn't, gangrene is a horrible disease. Essentially, a part of your body, usually the skin, becomes over-inflamed, which is actually pretty hard to notice at first, but that inflammation will move from your skin to your organs and finally, if not treated, will actually infect your bones before it kills you. Godless chatter, gossip, arguments, hurtful or unhelpful words are like gangrene. While talking behind someone's back or endlessly postulating, conjecturing, and theorizing about doctrine to the point of division, it might seem innocent or at worst maybe just a little tiny bit bad. Like gangrene, these words slowly infect not only our tongues, but if left untreated, our minds and ultimately our hearts and the process of a slow spiritual death. See, Paul is using his last written words to warn Timothy, the church in Ephesus, and all of us today about the danger of thoughtless words. And he'll continue in verse 23, he writes, Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. See, Paul knows that empty, pointless words lead to quarrels which break up relationships, break up the church, and ultimately break up the very person who spoke the words in the first place. Small, inconsequential as they might seem, words slowly cause us to drift farther and farther away 
from the original mission statement of our lives and closer and closer to original sin. Paul warned us 2,000 years ago that words break. Where would we be today if we had only listened? Now, in the midst of all of this, it can be easy to miss something huge that is hidden, sandwiched even in our passage. Verses 19 to 21 say, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In the midst of it all, God's solid foundation stands strong. Though we slander, though we tear down with tongues like knives, here we are, standing in his church. See, the church is the most resilient institution in the history of the world. Even though we all repeat the very same mistakes as did the church in Ephesus millennia ago. And how? God had the first word. And he will have the last word. God said the word, and there was light. God said the word, and there was water and sky and earth. God said the word, and vegetation, animals, the stars, even the rocks, came into existence. God said the word, and you and I took our first breath. And when everything looked bleak, and humanity could not save itself From itself, God sent the Word, His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world, and the Word took our place on the cross. The Word took the death that we deserved. And on the final day, the Word will return, and every tongue will confess the words, Jesus Christ is Lord, and the Word will make everything right once and for all. See, words break, but words also make. Something in that verse 19 strikes me. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. To confess the name of Jesus Christ is antithetical with the gossip, antithetical with the squabbles. To confess the name of Jesus is to give your life to him, to be on mission for him. And so what is your mission statement? If you confess the name of Jesus Christ, do you realize that the mission statement of your life is no longer your own, but his? If you confess the name of Jesus, do you realize that your words are no longer your own, but his? If you confess the name of Jesus, do you realize that wickedness in the form of hurtful, divisive words is no longer an option? Is your mission statement to live a life devoted to the truth of the gospel, to the truth that God sent his son to die for the sins of the world, and that the son rose from the grave three days after his death, defeating sin in the process? If that isn't the mission statement of your life, if you're here checking out church, if you tuned in to check out Christianity, I want to tell you how glad I am that you're here. But if you do accept what Jesus did for you, I ask you, do your words align with your life's mission statement? If you confess the name of Jesus, have you turned away from wicked, ungodly chatter? 
In verse 21, Paul says that those who cleanse themselves will be instruments to God's special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. And so TCC, I invite you to take some time today and this week to reflect. Reflect on the mission statement of your life and decide if your words are in alignment with it. If not, I invite you to cleanse yourselves. Pray to God and ask Him for forgiveness for the times your words have been shattered. Gossip, argumentative. Ask Him to help change your words to reflect the grace and mercy that Jesus poured out for you on the cross. With your kids, your spouse, your friends, parents, employees, and on social media, yes, especially on social media, ask God to help your will, your words build up, not tear down. And ask Him to help your words to stay aligned with the mission statement of your life. If you cleanse yourself, Paul promises that you will be made holy and be made useful to the Master, prepared to do any good work. It starts with our words. Because whether we want to admit it or not, TCC, Words break, words make. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.